Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the paediatric medical education podcast. Remember, you can hear our entire back catalogue of episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and of course our SoundCloud. So please tell your colleagues and friends and hit that subscribe button. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another podcast from Two Peds in a Pod. It's Ashley Reese uh, hosting. I'm a consultant pediatrician. I work at West Hertfordshire Hospitals NHS Trust with uh, another new voice uh, to the podcast. Uh, and it's great to be here talking about medicines and children with Samaya. Thank you, Ashley. Um, I'm Samaya Alazeb and I'm the lead pharmacist uh, for women and children at Medway Hospital in Kent. And it is a pleasure. This is my first podcast, so kind of looking forward to it. Thank you. And we will be talking about um, paediatrics and medication uh, in general and prescribing. Prescribing medicines for children, it's quite a different um, situation, prescribing medicines for uh, paediatric, the paediatric population compared to adults. So let's start by thinking why that is. Well, initially, if you, if you think about paediatrics, it can be anything from a little neonate or a premature baby up to 18 years of age. So you might get a 500 gram baby <laughs> up to anything over 100 kilos. Uh, dosing as well is not standard in adults. Dosing is, for example, one gram TDS. In pediatrics, it will be based on milligram per kilo. It can be age-banded or it can be both age-banded and um, mixed per kilo. So there's more potential for errors and missing the right dose, especially if you're not looking properly uh, or checking the BNF properly. Pharmacokinetics in children is evolving, um, so a neonate absorption uh, or distribution um, is completely different to an older child or um, a 10-year-old child or a teenager that will reach out other adult um, levels. Also, we we are prescribing or using a lot of unlicensed medication and off-label medication, uh, which we don't tend to use in adults. So. Uh, the data might not be readily available. We have lots of specials that we use that have different uh, standards, so the strengths are not the same. Can you give us some examples then of those situations where there are uh, issues with different strengths of the same medication? I know where a previous trust that I worked, we had a little girl that was prescribed propranolol and she was dispensed a 5 milligram and 5 mil bottle from our trust. She went um, to another hospital and then she was dispensed um, a 50 milligram in 5 mil. So it was 10 times more concentrated. Unfortunately, parents don't always pay attention to the strengths. They don't always pay attention to what's written on the label. And they just gave the same dose in terms of mils. So that she, she received a 10 times overdose and ended up in A&E, unfortunately. Um, Another example as well is um, a liver transplant child, uh, child who was booked in for a biopsy query rejection and who was on tacrolimus liquid. Um, so from the hospital, they were dispensed a one milligram in a mil uh, oral solution, whereas in the community, they received a 0.5 milligram in a mil, which is um, half, half the strength, basically. Um, it, this only transpired when we carried out the meds reconciliation 
and then we found out they were only receiving half the dose that they should have been receiving. Um, biopsy was cancelled. We changed them over to a licensed preparation of tacrolimus. And yes, so there are lots of issues um, that can occur with pediatrics and medication. It's not as straightforward uh, as ad- the adult population, I'm afraid. You mentioned unlicensed medication. So there's a medicine that we start in hospital that needs prescribing, there needs to be a repeat prescription. And uh, with all respect to our colleagues in primary care, they feel unable to do that. So um, what's happening there? Yeah, so a lot of the time the CCGs uh, actually kind of stop them from prescribing unlicensed medications some gps will still prescribe it and they're happy to support others feel uncomfortable or uneasy about using unlicensed medication this obviously has an impact on continuity of care because uh, and it affects the patients and the parents because they end up going back and forth between either the specialist center the GPs, sometimes coming back to the local hospital, which might take on the prescribing just to facilitate. Um, So it can be a little bit frustrating, I can imagine, for the parents, you know, especially when they have so much to worry about already. Why is it the CCG is not happy to prescribe the uh, unlicensed medicine? Well, they have a formulary and they stick to it. And and usually unlicensed preparations are out of limit. (laughs) They're not in that formulary. Yeah, yeah, they appear in the BNFC as medications with yeah. an indication, and they would seem in that in that way to be appropriate and and yeah. safe. I think the main issue I see is when they create these formularies, paediatrics are not necessarily thought of. So it really depends where you are exactly. It might be acceptable in some areas, but not everywhere. So that's something that really needs to be looked at. So we could lobby the CCG and the pharmacy team in the CCG and say, look, here's some medicine we prescribe regularly. Here's the data that we've got on safety. Here's its monograph in the BNFC. Uh, could we include it in the in the in the um, in the local formulary so our GPs can prescribe it and uh, our families don't have to, you know, get a prescription from secondary care every two or three yeah, months. That would be ideal. <laughs> if you, that's something that I'm also looking at to kind of set up a separate paediatric formulary, even though it's in the BNFC or in different, you know, paediatric resources. I think it has to be specific to the local CCG um, and discussed with, with that CCG. But um, it's definitely needed because children seem to be an afterthought sometimes i feel so yeah so we we mentioned the, the bnfc which is obviously mm. the formulary for children um and there are uh, that, that's the, the the main sort of um go-to you know, bible for our prescribing now mm-hmm. um, and the british national formulary for children the version of the bnf has been around for children for quite a few years but there, yeah. there are a number of other formularies around and i had an older hay one back in the day oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy's formulary and they used to prescribe slightly differently or give the doses slightly different ways i seem to remember yeah so that, that engenders more confusion doesn't there for the prescribing Sometimes, yeah. Well, the BNFC is actually becoming more and more comprehensive. So there is definitely more information now that you can find in the BNFC. Sometimes the Evelina's formulary, you can find maybe a little more, um, some drugs that you may not necessarily use uh, or very specialist drugs. And it has uh, um, nuggets of information as well. 
So all the hay, I don't know if they still have one, to be honest, but I do remember they had, yes, they had an old one, which was quite useful. But I think the BNFC slash Avelina Formery should, should contain practically everything, um, you, you know, all the medication uh, that we use. Of course, the, the great thing about the Elder Hay book was it fitted in your pocket. But of course, with the BNFC being available electronically these days, yes. that's less of an issue, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's easily uh, you know available on the app. It might be more difficult to see on the app, you know, to scroll through. And I think what we have to be careful of is there's so many different sections for each drug. So you know there might be different indications, uh, different routes. And I've seen people make errors where they just go and select the first dose that they see, regardless of route. So. It, they might want to prescribe an IV route, but then they go and select the dose for the oral route or the wrong indication, so the doses might be suboptimal. So we have to be careful and just make sure that if we're looking at the app, we're scrolling through the whole section just to make sure we're not missing the, the bits that we need to prescribe. Um, when, when you mentioned earlier on there's, there's, there's doses sometimes for weight uh, on milligrams per kilogram. Yeah. And doses that you've got for age bands and sometimes um, if both are given for a given child they don't always match up so uh, which is the right dose to is, is there any 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 indication of which one would be best in that situation would i would say so for example you might have an older child but they weigh 30 kilos or whatever something like that you might have a 12 um, year old child so in those circumstances i would calculate what the dose per milligrams is just to be on the safe side that we're not giving you know more than we should uh, so we always have to take that into account it's the same thing with paracetamol or um, some thromboprophylaxis if they're under 50 kilos then we can't exceed we can't just go by age we have to to dose it by weight and this is actually this happens in adults as well the other way around is you might have um bigger children, so ad adolescents, and your dosing mix per kilo. But we always have to cap it at the adult dose, so we just need to make sure that we're not exceeding the adult dose or we're using the ideal body weight, which might be mentioned in the BNFC. So we just need to check what the guidance is for that dosing. Okay, so so and uh, for some uh, medications, it's important to uh, dose using surface area, and there's yeah. a, a surface area chart at the back of the BNFC, isn't there? Yes, uh, lots of people think they need to do a calculation or use some kind of fancy formula to calculate the body surface area. But it's actually at the back of the BNFC or you can even, it's on the app or, you know, online. If you go to guidance, there is a section on body surface area and you just look at the corresponding, uh, the weight and then the corresponding body surface area. So examples for this would be a cyclivir that's normally used for children from three months up to 12 years of age. It's dosed by body surface area. Caspofungin, which is an antifungal, can also be uh, dosed by body surface area and obviously uh, chemotherapy as well. So it's not many drugs that we would dose by body surface area. Uh, but ideal body weight, for example, vancomycin or, you know, some neurotherapeutic drug index drugs, um, we need to use ideal body weight. We can't just use, if we have a 100 kilo child, we can't just give gentamicin 7 milligrams per kilo, which gives us 700 milligrams. We will have to use ideal body weight. Uh, otherwise, it can 
cause renal impairment or other toxicities. So we just need to be wary. And that's a really important point, isn't it? Because the maximum dose for some of the uh, medications, uh, if it is calculated using the child's actual body weight, yeah. you will get well over the maximum. And yeah. um, that that's obviously a source of, of many medication errors. So checking the maximum, particularly in older children, yeah. is really important. Yeah, yeah. I think if if you're exceeding the adult dose, if you're familiar with adult doses, you need to stop and think, what am I doing the right thing? Just go back and check. Also, I find this is just um, sometimes junior doctors prescribe things that they're not really sure about, which is a little bit worrying. So they may prescribe something, it's not spelt properly. You go and ask them, oh, what do you mean by this? Oh, I was just told to prescribe that. So everyone, whatever you prescribe, it's your responsibility. You need to check that the name is correct. You need to check that the indication there is a, an, a, you know, a proper indication for that and that the dose that you've been told as well. Because parents can get confused as well and can give you the wrong doses or mix up doses between drugs. So just make sure before you prescribe anything that... The dosing is correct um, and the indication as well is correct and the name. So that's, that's another important point, isn't it? When we're talking to parents, they'll often tell you how many mils of a drug. Yep. And we've mentioned already that um, the uh, uh, preparation that, that the drug comes as, particularly liquid medications, uh, where milligrams per mil, uh, we need to track check back and make sure we know the strength to make sure that it's the right dose of the medicine. Yes, and ideally, uh, in, the, in the prescribing standards, we're not supposed to prescribe in mills because of the issues of the various strengths available. Uh, obviously, there are exceptions. So, for example, vitamins like Dalavit, uh, Abidec, or iron, like Citron, ferrous fumarate liquids, will prescribe those in mills. And, uh, for example, Kurt, Kermoxiclav, um, but we'll have to specify the strengths, obviously, for those. Um, yes, mills, sometimes when you go and speak to parents and you say, is it a milligram or mill? They have no idea. They, I don't think they understand the concept of mills or milligrams, to be honest. <laughs> so it's better to check the bottles if they've brought it in. If they haven't, I would normally get them to call someone at home and double-check or take a photo. Um, if it's prescribed by the GP, we can check their summary care record. If not, then it's a little bit trickier. Um, but uh, it, it's just you need to ensure that you're prescribing it, the dose in milligrams because if you just prescribe in mills, someone can just go and pick up a bottle from either the ward stock or order a different strength and they'll, they'll give X mills off another strength so it could be underdosing it, it could be overdosing so it's really dangerous and we need to prescribe it in milligrams not mills and these days it's very easy isn't it often when we're in clinic somebody will um, text somebody at home or, or, or make a quick call and while, mm. while we're continuing the consultation yeah. they will, um, they'll often get back the um, picture or the information about exactly what the strength is of the medicine that's at home now, you mentioned prescribing standards. Um, so so t tell us about the, the prescribing standards and where we might find those. So if you look at the BNFC at the front section, there are a few 
a few little sections about different types of guidance so one of them is prescribing standards so it just tells you for example it's a legal requirement to have the age of the child if they're under 12 years of age you need to have the weight uh, you don't prescribe in mills as we've already mentioned um, it it encourages leading zeros so for example 0 0.6 instead of 0 0.6 milligrams because 0.6 milligrams can be read as 6 milligrams but ideally it's better to write that as 600 micrograms uh, and on the opposite as well it's to avoid trailing zeros so 5.0 milligrams can be read as 50 milligrams if that dot is really faint obviously write the units in full so micrograms nanograms uh, milligrams we just write mg and then also to prescribe uh, generically um, only you would only prescribe by brand name if there's by some kind of bioavailability issue for example for immunosuppressants tacrolimus you would prescribe it by brand because it will affect the levels uh, some anti-epileptics as well um, so those are the main ones really um, but people can refer to that just go to the front of the bnfc and you can check that over there yeah, it's a, it's a great resource actually, and uh, should 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 be at the forefront of everyone's mind. Of course, our, our doctors in training these days um, do a prescribing safety assessment uh, just before they take their finals, so um, they they cannot uh, progress to their foundation year one without passing that test. Or actually, they can, but they may need to do a reset. And then many trusts do their own local uh, prescribing test as well just to make sure that nobody's forgotten anything since they did the PSA test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it it's good that not all trusts, uh, unfortunately, but it, it's good if prescribing tests are conducted that, because it just makes the doctors think, or even advanced clinical practitioners as well, just stop and think, oh, what should I be doing? Am I doing the right thing? And then when you go through the test with them as well, it kind of highlights the areas where they should have, you know, where they went wrong or could improve as well. And our allied uh, health professionals have, have supported a number of nurses through their uh, independent prescribing course. Um, and they, they go into great detail of the medicines that are going to be the ones that they might commonly prescribe. Uh, and they have to do a fair bit of basic clinical techniques, so history taking and examination. Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. Because um, I think, well, the whole idea is to equip people or advance their skills as well to enable them because they just it's not just prescribing they need to look at the patient as a whole um, and examine them and you know justify why are they prescribing this are they completely convinced um, is it the right drug um, okay you mentioned uh, branded medicines earlier and how we prescribe generic uh, not branded medicines yeah um, one of the things that, that, that we often um, suggest to parents is that they um, get over-the-counter medications for children. And, you know, in any um, family uh, you know, locked cabinet uh, away from any children, keeping them safe and secure, there, there's often a, a sort of family of, of, of medicines. There's often a number of bottles of different uh, medicine there that you would need. So um, some antipyretic and uh, maybe some antihistamine um, and uh, those sorts of medicines. Um, that, that they can be bought over the counter, but uh, if you buy a branded uh, version, they're often more expensive than uh, a generic, non-branded version. 
unfortunately that's the case yeah usually when a, a drug comes out into the market it will have a patent for x number of years and they will have the monopoly uh, you know to sell that drug basically um once that comes off patent then all the generic companies can start producing it but most of the time the branded ones will still be more expensive and some people you know believe that the branded one is much better quality and it's more effective but that's not necessarily the case because they all undergo rigorous um kind of testing and quality assurance branded ones should only be specifically if there is a bioavailability issue or a specific formulation that's only suitable for a particular patient group for example now we mentioned a lot about liquid medicines and um, children obviously will usually anyway take a liquid medicine although uh, sometimes that's a challenge depending on the taste and uh, some of these medicines taste actually re- okay and some of them are quite frankly quite foul um but there's an assumption that younger children cannot take uh, tablets or cannot swallow tablets so um i know there's quite a lot of uh, information uh, out there in order to try and support families in teaching their children how to take a tablet uh, at a young age uh, what, what, what's your experience of, of of young children you know i'm thinking of even preschool children being able to uh, take a reasonably sized tablet so it, it does vary there are some older children or even adults i've seen that will refuse to take tablets and just want liquids to get they can't swallow but then you would see younger children that can swallow tablet easily so you know sometimes i wouldn't be expecting them to be taking tablets and yet they would prefer the tablets to the liquids because sometimes some of the liquids tastes a little funny like you mentioned and they don't like the taste it might make them gag so so yeah i don't think age is a barrier and there is there is um uh, an information leaflet or a teaching as well a training pa- um for kids medication to ha- to teach children how to swallow pills or tablets which is quite useful um different techniques to try out so and some children see, see it as a challenge as well that oh, can i can swallow this so it varies yeah but i think we should encourage children um, one of those resources is, is called kids med isn't it k-i-d-z-m-e-d so that was by newcastle um and they did uh, yeah it, teaching basically for children different techniques of how to swallow um, tablets which is really quite good so so it's even for health professionals they can go and um, check it it's on the e-learning website on HEE Um, that's useful for everyone really so it's out there on the electronic learning for health platform so before we close and round off maybe with some take-home messages uh, one final thing is about patient safety of course because we mentioned that uh, prescribing is uh, one of those activities that uh, um, you know unfortunately is prone to errors so um, we're going to get to patient safety in a minute but um, I noticed that the uh, pharmacist always writes with a green pen (laughs) yes they do Uh, I think it's just historical to be honest I don't know if there's a a rationale behind that Uh, but many trusts are moving away from green pen because you can't really photocopy the you know if you photocopy the notes or the drug charts the color it doesn't appear proper properly but now with electronic prescribing in many uh, hospitals 
it, uh, you know, there's no green pen <laughs> anymore. Uh, some actually, I can't remember where, but I know there was one electronic prescribing system where, when the pharmacist screens the prescription, it comes up as green, that, you know, the initials or the pharmacist screen shows up in green on, on electronically. So that's quite interesting. Harping back to the old days. Uh, yeah. um, so thinking about patient safety, obviously prescribing has the potential for um, for error, particularly when it's uh, not done uh, electronically. So um, what, what, what are the important issues around uh, preventing medication errors? I think the main one is distractions or interruptions, really, because that can happen, you know, quite frequently on the ward environment. Um, also, you know, we've, we've done this where... Once the doctor has prescribed something, we ask the nurse to double-check it immediately, kind of, and get back to the doctor if there are any issues, because if she, uh, by the time the nurse checks it, it's an hour or so later, it might be difficult to get the doctor there. And then also not to interrupt the doctors. You know, there's different strategies of just them sitting um, by themselves or in a little corner just to prescribe without being interrupted, just like when the nurses wear their tabards, you know, you know, for drug preparation and administration. And I think you, you had something to do with the drug oil, I think? Yeah, so I can um, I can lay claim to the, uh, to the name for our uh, drugs safety huddle, which we affectionately call the druggle. Um, but uh, patient safety uh, meetings around medication, so medication safety huddles or medication safety meetings, have been well described in the literature uh, over time. So um, our version is a, a weekly meeting at the end of our grand round, five minutes uh, where the pharmacist comes and tell us, tells us the um, issues that they've picked up uh, mm -hmm. on their interventions on the drug charts in the previous week um, and also uh, gives the team uh, some uh, gems of good behaviour uh, okay. around prescribing uh, and uh, then leaves us with a few pearls of uh, wisdom information, things that they want us to know about uh, what's coming mm -hmm. up. Um, so and did you, did you find that helped or were there recurring themes? Or Yeah, I think it's uh, it, there's always... Um, uh, there's always uh, issues that, that occur in cycles, and that usually usually maps to new doctors uh, into the department because they're less familiar with prescribing medicines for particular patient groups. You know, for example, ch children with with long term conditions that you know are, are on lots of medications potentially. Um, so you do see that, and it's um, it's an opportunity to focus the team on medications and medication safety. Because we have this episode where the one well, of the senior pharmacist comes every week and talks about medications. So one of the uh, most important impacts is having that time every week where we think about medication and medication safety. Mm, that's that's really quite good that you're making time for that. So yeah, I think that's a positive thing, and it would be good if yeah everyone everywhere does it really. <laughs> The, the drug itself, uh, it, it, it's a cute name for something that's been around, around obviously. Um, there are other units that have taken it up, and I believe even as far as Australia. So why don't we summarise then some of the um, important points that we've made around, around prescribing in paediatrics uh, in order to summarise what those important take-home messages are. All right. So the main things when you're prescribing, just make sure you check the age of the patient and the weight. Don't prescribe in mills. Check the BNF properly for 
where for the correct indication the correct route and the dosing uh, regimen that you're using uh, don't prescribe uh, by brand names unless really relevant for that and always when you're prescribing anything you need to be accountable and um, know what you're prescribing whether it's the dose whether it's the drug name so you are responsible for that prescription and dosing wise as well if there is a patient that's small for for you know for their age or obese we well we need to as well take that into account and we might have to use either ideal body weight or just dose based on their weight instead of their age if they're quite small for size so very helpful points and i'll just add two things when writing a description make it legible and um, and try try not to be distracted while you're writing your prescriptions yes yes because that's when you start making mistakes and you don't know about it so are, are there any other useful resources out there that might be helpful for us when we're prescribing there's a website a useful website called medicinesforchildren.org.uk uh, which is very useful it's child friendly uh, and it's got um general leaflets about medicines used in children and also leaflets for uh, medication as well so it's in a child-friendly format instead of reading that small uh, patient information leaflet with a small writing it also has uh, useful information whether you can crush the tablet or whether you can mix it with food or juice so that's a, a useful website to go to so Samaya, i really enjoyed uh, that uh, chat a bit of a tool there uh, prescribing and uh, thinking about how we prescribe in paediatrics um, is a really useful way to uh, spend a half an hour or so and think about uh, how we prescribe to uh, make it uh, uh, as safe as possible. Um, it's a really important part of what we do yeah, and you gave some really interesting insights into how to do it better. Thanks for taking the time to download our podcast this week. If you enjoy our podcasts please tell your friends and colleagues and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, our SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.